All right, what a blessing to be able to share this time together with all of you, my friends, near and far, wherever you are. Some of you, other parts of the country, some of you, other parts of the world. Some of you are joining us for the very first time. And if you are, I'm Pastor Terry. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone Church in San Francisco, and I'm so happy you're with us right now. I think some of you are aware that we're actually starting a new series. It's called Abide, How to Cultivate the Inner Life. We're really digging into here, and we're going to sit with it a lot, is how to have a deeper relationship with Jesus, something that allows us to have a more sustainable faith in the midst of these stressful and supercharged times that we're all living in. I don't think we were equipped to deal with some of the stuff that's being thrown at us, but the Lord wants to show us the way. I'm, I'm convinced of that. So, hey, let me pray right now, ask God's blessing, and then we will uh, spend some time together and look at his words. But Lord, even now, I know that you love us, and I ask that you would both speak to us and meet us in the place where we need you most. Our ears are open. Our mind is attentive. And we want to receive what it is you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I think that in times like the ones we're living in, these highly stressful times, it's very easy to settle for a kind of surface level faith, right? Instead of contending for a deeper, more sustainable one. But the deeper, deeper faith is always going to be connected to the inner life. The two go hand in hand. What often shows up on the surface is a product of what's going on within. We need to pay attention to our heart. And there's some things that Jesus has for us that will equip us to be able to deal with the complexity that many of us are, are feeling these days. I do think that there are real reasons why a lot of us are feeling more pressure than ever, more stress than ever, why some of us are really struggling. And I think it has to do with the kind of world that we're living in. There are so many distractions right now. And unlike previous generations, ours is just immersed in technology, which means we are connected all the time. Unfortunately, we're not always connected to the right things. So much of what we have to deal with, just even at a cultural level, at a societal level, is toxic. That's true, certainly, when we <laughs> talk about technology today and social media and just, you know, the age of the smartphone has allowed us to have so much access to information but a lot of that information isn't good and it's not healthy. A lot of that entertainment is actually counterproductive. It doesn't serve us well. We are also having to deal with the reality that a lot of the things that we are engaging in were actually created to be addictive. So they, they want to suck us in. They're designed to consume our time. And then of course we're getting bombarded all the time. Again, partly because of the technology and the fact that we seem to always you know, be on, we're constantly being bombarded with bad news. And it just feels like everybody's angry, polarized, offended at something. And all of that, it just takes its toll. Everybody's calling to us. Everybody's trying to get our attention. Pay attention to this. Listen to this podcast. Watch this. 
And I, I think that it really does make us more anxious. When it's all said and done, it's never been easier actually to waste time. <laughs> I know the smartphone and social media, they've made it possible for us to simultaneously be more efficient and less efficient. Think about that. It's certainly be, why you say, well, because you would think, okay, with technology, I should have all this extra time, but it gets sucked up in other kinds of technology, whether it's games or checking, you know, the latest uh, post or what, you know, all the things that, that just get our, that are designed to get our attention. And when we're, when our guard is down or when we're just habitually checking stuff, we end up wasting, we can waste hours. And I'm, I'm going to suggest that that ends up taking a toll on us, right? It does. So there's just so many things that are happening right now. The bottom line is Many of us are a lot less healthy than God wants us to be. And we need to ask ourselves, well, what am I going to do about that? Well, that's where abide comes in. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about ways to stay spiritually healthy, to stay strong on the inside so that we are able to prevail in the midst of the complexity that we're all having to deal with. But we're going to make the case that the main connection we need is a connection with Jesus. If we're going to be able to do this right, we're going to need to be able to look at the words that he gave us that will equip us to live well, even in a time such as this. A few months back, I was actually reading an article from a, it was in a major publication, national publication. And the article got my attention because it, it was talking about how we can find well-being in the midst of an anxious world. And I was thinking about this series. So it, I started reading it. It was literally called five principles for a better post pandemic you. And, uh, the author was an executive coach, a guy by the name of Brad Stolberg. And it got my attention when he opened up his article with this. He said, as an executive coach, I saw a troubling trend among my clients, even before COVID-19, the pandemic, many were exhausted and on a path to burnout if they weren't already there. The chief physician of a large healthcare system came to me because he wanted to feel more stable and have more control over how he spent his time and energy. Even though his obsession with work and digital devices was draining him, he told me he couldn't go more than a few hours without opening his email. Can some of us relate to that? An entrepreneur who had just secured funding for her next venture was surprised to find that after a day or two of excitement over her success, she felt empty. She was concerned that if this accomplishment isn't enough to provide some lasting fulfillment, I don't know what will be. Clients, he said, constantly talked about how much they wanted to turn it all off. The breaking news, the busyness and email and social media notifications. They didn't want to be thinking constantly about what was next. Yet when they did turn it all off, they felt unsettled and restless, fluctuating between aimlessness and angst. There it is. And they weren't alone. He says, even before the pandemic, Americans were reporting higher rates of clinical anxiety and depression than ever before, with estimates showing more than one in five people suffering at any given time. Wow. Wow. Addiction to harmful substances were also at a peak level with increasing rates of alcoholism and the opioid epidemic, loneliness and social isolation were on the rise. That made total sense as were exhaustion and fatigue. Needless to say, the death, 
distress, and the dislocation of the past two years have only served to exasperate these trends. And I think that we can, we can appreciate that because many of us have been affected in exactly the ways that were described here. And you add on top of that the fact that not only were we coming out of an, a pandemic, but now we have a war that's going on. And it just, it just seems like it's been nonstop. As we watch the, the global economy in its shaky place, and we're all just feeling, we're just, it's just, it's just a really hard time. And so there are real challenges here. And I hope you can hear me, loved one, when I say that it's more important than ever that we learn how to live secure and settled in our relationship with Jesus. And then we learn how to appropriate the peace and strength that he wants to give us, the peace that he said, I give, that is, is not like how the world gives. It's a different kind of peace. It's the peace I want to give to you. He wants us to to live in his love in such a way that it's our dominant way of being. Even when things are shaky, there's a certain stability. The house stands even when the storms come because it's built upon his words. And that also is meant to give us something else, his joy. That we are invited into a joyful, abounding life even when things are hard. What? Yes. It's the kind of life we are invited into in Christ. But the key is going to be abiding. It's one of the things some of you may remember I talked about in uh, last week's message when we finished up the I Am series by talking about how Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine. We talked about how (laughs) abounding is always connected to abiding. Abounding is always connected to abiding. And so what I want to do actually is pivot off of that passage, go back to John 15 and and connect from where we were when we talked about Jesus sharing his last I am, I am the the vine, the true vine, and then talk about what it means when he says, I want you to abide in me. Let's read this together. John 15, verse one, I am, Jesus said, the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Look at that. Already he says, you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me. There it is. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you, here it is, abide in me. (laughs) <laughs> the Greek word we render here, abide, is the word meno. Uh, it means to stay, to remain, to dwell. It strikes me that when Jesus shared these words, and remember the context, remember the context. He was on his way to the garden of Gethsemane. The shadow of the cross is upon him. He's about to be betrayed into, to use the language of the scripture, into the hands of sinful men. And he knew that the things that were about to happen were going to be so hard for his disciples, so uh, difficult for them, so unsettling. He knew they would be shaken. He was concerned for them. 
just like he still is for you and me. He knew the spiritual tsunami that was heading their way that would ultimately hit them and yeah, overwhelm them. And so it was in the darkness with the flickering light, with tender love in his eyes that he shared these words with them, but really for us, for all time. Abide in me and I in you. The word abide, it's a warm word, isn't it? It feels, feels invitational. It feels uh, hospitable. I, it, it's, it's certainly not a reproof. It's not a reproof. It's, it's, it's not even a warning like in verse 2. It's actually gentle, almost tender, but very relational, very relational. And it, it, so as we talk about this, really, if we talk about abide, what we're talking about then is something that is both, yeah, it's a command, but really it's an invitation into relationship. That's what the Lord is inviting into, us into. And I actually think it's the key to not just surviving, but thriving in such a time as the one we're living in, where, where it's so easy to just be overwhelmed with anxious thoughts. The key, the key, the secret to spiritual success is right here, isn't it? The secret, if I can call it, it's the secret sauce of the Christian life. It's the one truly essential ingredient. And what is it? But staying deeply connected to Jesus. That's the key. That's the key to the Jesus way. Verse five, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Think about that. He it is that bears much fruit. It's the one who is abiding. The disciple, <laughs> for he says, for, for apart from me, you, you can do nothing. The disciple cannot bear fruit in his or her own strength. Can't do it, right? Without me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5 has a verse worth remembering. It starts with an admission that on our own, we can't do it. But there's also an implied affirmation. With Christ, we can. That's so important. It starts with an admission that on my own, I cannot do this. I cannot live the vital life in Christ on my own. I need to stay connected. But it's also an affirmation that if I am willing to stay connected, if I'm willing to, to be, huh, right, abiding in Him, then I can do it. You can do this. You can grow and flourish. There's no reason, why, but both are true. Okay. Uh, some of us, we, <laughs> we may struggle on that first one. And what I mean by that is we may struggle with our pride and we may have a hard time surrendering, you know, the admission of dependency. Cause think about what Jesus was getting at there in John 15, five, right? He's really, he's pressing. He's saying, you can't do this without me. It's not going to be your own strength. No, you need me. Now that for some of us is hard. Like we have a hard time, not, not depending on ourselves. We, we, <laughs> we can say, yeah, we can say because we believe that everything depends on him, but then we live mostly like it depends on us. You see, 
what we do with our time betrays what we really believe. Now, I might say, Lord, this is all about you and your power at work in my life. But then when it really gets down to it, I'm spending very little time with him. And I'm trying to handle things in my own strength. And what the Lord is trying to teach us is that in the end, that, that's not going to cut it. On the other hand, some of us may struggle in a different way. We may struggle with feelings of, of defeat or a poor spiritual self-image based on patterns that we've had of struggle or doubts and maybe failures that we have experienced. So we have a hard, but what I'm saying is some of us may struggle with the affirmation component here. We may have a hard time believing that we can flourish in Christ. And so we think, well, then maybe others that's, you know, they're, they're the ones who can do it, but I'm, I'm, I don't know. I just, I just can't do this Jesus thing the way that, uh, you know, so, so we live in the shadows. We live in the shadows. We, we don't ever really step into our inheritance. We don't appropriate the power and promise of Christ in the way that he has invited us to experience it, right? There's, there is something about this idea of abiding that requires us to take a step to create room, to make time, and to believe that if I draw near to him, that in Christ, I can do all things, right? I can. It can be done. I can learn how to overcome things. I can grow. I can emerge. I can flourish. I can be like that tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, that things of my past don't have to be forever holding me back, right? In Christ. I, you know, so I, like I said, some of us, we may say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but we struggle to practically live into that promise. And so we settle for something far less than what Jesus died and rose for us to have. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. When we learn to abide, it will, it will help us break free of our sense of self-sufficiency for there will be certain situations in life where we just it's going to be the Lord or nothing else. And then it's also going to enhance our ability to trust God's capacity to help us in the areas where we feel weak and deficient and um, afraid. Look, let's go back here and watch how Jesus amplifies this point. He's saying that a branch that doesn't bear fruit, um, and, and, and when he was saying it, you know, like the branch that doesn't bear fruit is going to have to ultimately uh, be, be be cut off. And he, he was using an image that would have been very much understood by his disciples because they had all seen it. They had all seen trees being pruned, dead branches being cut off. And then the branches were collected and they were burned. And that, that would have made total sense to them. And the reason that was happening was so that the, the part of the tree that was bearing fruit would just gain even more strength, right? So he's talking about this idea of making ourselves more uh, able to receive the very life of Christ that he wants to give us. Look what he says. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. In other words, if my words abide in you and are at the center of your life, you will want what I want for you. My will 
will be what you desire and I will work to bring that desire to pass in your life. So when we talk about him giving everything that he, that we desire, if you look at it in its real context here, and it's not a trick, but what Jesus is saying, he's not talking about like, uh, you know, you put the coins in and you push the button and this is what you get type of thing. He's not talking about rubbing the, <laughs> rubbing the, the, the bottle and out pops the genie and gives you your three wishes. No, 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 no. He's talking about something far more profound. He's saying the closer you get to me, the more you abide in me and I in you, the more you are going to want what I want for you. When my will becomes your supreme purpose, when my will for you is actually what you want, then you ask me to fulfill that will because your will is connected to my will. I'm going to delight to give it to you. I mean, it's a great promise, but look at that other thing that he says in that eighth verse. He says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. In other words, I want you to bear fruit for me. And it's not just a little fruit. I want you to flourish and to bear much fruit. Because when you do that, he says, you are going to show yourselves as my true followers because my true followers will always both honor my father. And at the same time, as they're honoring my father, even as Jesus says, I'm about to do right now. Think about it. He was telling them something that he was actually doing. And then he says, but when you do that, you're going to find that you, that fruit is going to flow out of your life. And you know, he's talking about, and what does he mean by that? When we talk about the fruit, you know, bear much fruit. What does that even mean? I think what he's talking about there, he's talking about our lives. He's talking about our way of being. He's talking about our character and our, our actions and our words and the things we do and the things we say, you know, the choices that we make to honor him. That's what we're talking about. When we're talking about fruit, the impact of our life, the quality of our life the effect of our life. I think it was uh, J.C. Ryle who said, some of us are content with a little Christianity, which <laughs> actually the phrase is brilliant because it can be flipped in two directions. I think you can see it. Some of us are content with a little Christianity. In other words, just a little bit, not a lot, just enough maybe to get us to heaven, but we don't want to get too much of it, right? Make it the center of our lives, just a little bit. That's enough. But then he also, if you think of it, he could be saying it from the standpoint of some of us are content with a little Christianity in terms of small and meager, like so much less than what he has for us, that the Lord has something more for us, but we're stunted. We have a little when he wants us to have a lot. It's, and, and we're not bearing the fruit that Jesus wants us to bear because somehow we've been, been content to settle for a little uh, when, when we've been given the opportunity for so much more. And you go back to that eighth verse, and what does Jesus say? By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. There it is again. I just want to emphasize it. Much fruit. I think there's a difference between bearing fruit and much fruit. Some of us, and if I'm honest, probably I, I, I have to say this from time to time it has been me as well, have been too content with something less than what he has for me. And 
I just want to say, let's not settle for a little Christianity. Let's settle. <laughs> well, let's contend for a big one. Let's not just settle for a little bit of our inheritance. Let's pursue all that the Lord has for us, right? Come on. And that's going to be a choice that we make. And the key to a, a big Christian life, a big Christianity, if I can call it that, one that is alive and flourishing and growing, it is abiding. Abiding is the key. It's the secret. It's the, it's the key ingredient. It's what unlocks the door. If someone were to ask me, well, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? What does what abiding in Christ look like, practically speaking? And as I was thinking about this teaching, I thought, okay, how would I explain that? What does it look like for me? What does it mean to abide in Christ? I mean, I know God wants me to have a, a, a big Christianity. I know the Lord wants me to bear much fruit. Uh, I know he doesn't want me to be suffocated by the culture, stressed out and anxious and fearful. Okay, so how do I, how do I, okay, yes, you've convinced me. The key is abiding. Well, what does that even look like? Mm. I wrote this down. To abide in Christ involves learning how to hear his voice. It involves sharing our heart with him, asking for more of his. It involves sitting with his words and hiding them consistently deep within, pondering them, uh, honoring them and sharing them. I mean, it's really important that we talk about God's word. What we speak out becomes more powerfully formed within. It means seeing ourselves uh, as a beloved son or daughter of our father in heaven and then acting out of that reality. That's all of that is abiding. Oh, and one more thing. It's going to involve intention. Because abiding doesn't just happen. It's just a product of choices that we make. It, you know, it starts with creating space. You know, we talk about that, that voice recognition, but that, that voice recognition comes when we've, when we've have some noise reduction and we've made space to listen and to share our heart with Jesus, right? And so it, it really is a product of choices that we make. Abiding is always going to be connected to choices. It has to do with how we want to frame our life and the space that we're making for God to speak to us. And I would say it's a daily thing. I really would. I mean, that's what Jesus taught us. That's part of the reason why when, he, when they said, how, do, how should we pray? And he said, pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then this key phrase, give us this day. What is it? Our daily bread. Our daily bread. Think about that. Our daily bread. In a, in a certain sense, if you just combine that with how he opens the prayer, abiding is learning how to run to the Father every day. It's just living close to him. It's living close to our Father who is in heaven on a daily basis. Because of what Jesus has done, we have the ability to live close to God. What a gift that is. You know, I want to I talk a little bit more about that in a moment. And we've got a song, by the way, that's going to just connect right to that. That reminds us that the Lord wants us to run towards him, not away from him. But I do want to remind everybody, it's the time that I get to do it, please. The, I, you know what? You guys have been amazing. I want to continue to remind all of you to be faithful.
in your, in your giving, your tithes, and your offerings for our church community, right? Remember, you can send that in. You can give it directly online. You can do what I do, give through the app. But like I say, always give him first your heart. These other things, uh, they flow out of that. So with that in mind, let's share the song together, and then I'll come back around and we'll finish up.
know, running to the Father is not only the key to fruitfulness, it's the key to peace, to settledness of soul and equanimity. It's the key to resilience. It's the key to recovery. It's the key to holding together even under enormous pressure, right? I was reminded of Isaiah 26, 3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, whose mind is abiding in you. Think about that because he trusts in you. Remember, the safest place in all the world is the center of the Father's will. When we are where he wants us to be, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid of anything. And by faith, we can walk through anything, bear fruit, good fruit, much fruit in any season, safe in the Father's arms.